It's gonna be scary. Not for us. All engine running. Lift off. on Thompson steps right, shoots for the win of three. He got it. He got it. Same my first rodeo. Westbrook to the basket. Turns Schroeder around. Russell Westbrook. House the three in the lead. You betcha. Covington biggest shot of the game, and he hits it. The corner. P.J. Tucker. Time to you know, accomplish something together that we haven't accomplished before. We both understand that we have one common goal, and that's to win a championship. So <laughs> let's get it. What's up, and welcome to another episode of Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com and use promo code LOCKED ON, and you'll get $10 off your very next order. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and the founder slash managing editor of ClutchCityControlRoom.com, your home for all things Houston hoops. You can follow me on Twitter at JT Gatlin, the show at Locked on Rockets, and of course the blog at ClutchCityCR. Want to hit on some main points, some, some quick hitting points going into Rockets Thunder Game 6, what will more than, I don't say more than likely, what will hopefully be the final game of this series Again, sticking with the initial prediction for this series, going six games, but with how convincing the Rockets were in their win in Game 5. Even before Dennis Schroeder and and P.J. Tucker got into their little altercation and were both ejected from the game, the Rockets looked like they they were well on their way to securing that win with the explosion at the start of that third quarter. And speaking of P.J. Tucker and Dennis Schroeder, we will hear from P.J. Tucker as well as Mike D'Antoni a little bit later on in this show. I'll run back some audio from their media availability in this episode. But we'll hear from them. And as far as things on that front, it was announced that, you know, neither of these guys are going to be suspended going into game six. That was some speculation there as to what was going to happen. Just $25,000 fines for each of them. You know, again, with the speculation, you know, my thought process was, okay, well, Giannis and Tedekumpo had the headbutt in the Bucks' seventh seeding game, and that kind of set the precedent for him, you know, being suspended in the eighth seeding game, a game that he was probably going to sit out anyway. P.J. Tucker did the little bit of a headbutt motion towards Dennis Schroeder, although you, you compare them side by side and they look completely different. So I, I, I did have some concerns that P.J. might receive a suspension from the league, but the language that was used in the post-game report uh, by James Capers, you know, saying that, uh, you know, that it wasn't a hostile act and that, uh, you know, that those keywords right there, not a hostile act by P.J. Tucker. As soon as I saw that in the pool reporter report after the game or the day after the game, I kind of figured, you know what, that this is probably going to be okay. PJ is not going to get suspended, and lo and behold, here we have it. PJ is not going to be suspended. Schroeder's not going to be suspended. I expect there to be some animosity there potentially in Game Six. This is going to be right. This is a deciding game in the series. Tempers are going to probably start flaring. The referees are probably going to have to get involved and and make sure that these players, you know, aren't at each other's throats in this game. So it kind of, I'm expecting a bit of a tight whistle to start things out, you know, before, you know, either, either team starts getting too, too riled up, too amped up in this one with, you know, the stakes on the line for the Thunder to potentially be sent home after this game. So with that, I really want to re-up on something that I talked about, and this will be my, my main point before we get into the audio from Mike D'Antoni and from PJ Tucker. 
is talking about James Harden from last game and some of the adjustments that you know that he made to be able to better to be able to better score against the Thunder defense and against Lou Dort specifically. I didn't highlight enough that in game five, a lot of it, well, a decent bit of it came from adjustments made by the Rockets to really get Harden rolling downhill, you know, to to really get some strong screens being set on Lou Dort consistently. And even Robert Covington spoke about it in one of his media, in his post game, uh, you know, basically discussing that one of the things that Lou Dort does, you know, he gets a, he gets to be a little too aggressive at times and they kind of use that against him. So for the Rockets, they've been able to take advantage of that aggression and, you know, trying to, you know, he's going to fight over pretty much every screen you throw at him. So if you can set a really strong screen and give Harden just that breath, give him that, that first step, that half step ahead of Lou Dort, if he's fighting over the screen, then suddenly the defense is playing catch up. And that's all James Harden needs to be able to have that half step or get that first step in and get rolling downhill towards the basket um, either with somebody rolling alongside him in like Jeff Green or, you know, somebody popping out to the three-point line like Robert Covington and Ben McLemore do. You know, just I think that it, the adjustments that were made were very clear, and that's why Harden had such a successful game. And I'm expecting another big game from him coming up in game six. You know, just the aggressive mentality. They were attacking all game, and that starts and stops with Harden. If, if Harden is settling and not being aggressive and not being the the focal point of the offense then well I take that back he's always the focal point in the offense but if he's not being aggressive as the focal point of the offense then other players will follow suit and start settling for threes and to tie it all up together in, in a nice little ribbon I do think that having Russ back does give them that edge he you know Russ you know just by being out there on the court kind of gives them that attack mentality and seeing him out there, he, again, even though he, he didn't have a great stat line, didn't fill up the box sheet, box score at all, having Russ out there is so impactful in a variety of ways. And I do think that I'm expecting I'm expecting a better game from Russ this time around. I'm still not, you know, he's still not going to be the 30 and 10 guy that he can be. But you want this game to be a notched improvement from game five because hopefully ideally this is the final game of the series and then you're going to be facing the Lakers in game one and I'm sorry Russ putting up seven points and six rebounds and seven assists probably isn't going to cut it against the Lakers that being said he definitely wasn't going full speed in this one he you know his shot selection was a little off at times didn't really attack as much um, but having him out there did lead to the Rockets attacking and being more aggressive in this one uh, in Game 5. So Game 6, looking forward to seeing that continue. And also looking forward to seeing Robert Covington. Hopefully his shooting uh, remains a constant after shooting just 23% through the eight seeding games. You know He's up to 45% from behind the arc three-point shooting. So keeping that going and keeping his hot shooting rolling into the Lakers series you know, after closing this one out is absolutely needed with as poorly as some of the other Rockets have shot the ball. It's a welcome sight to have somebody shooting, you know, above 40% uh, for these past couple games. So I think that's, that's 
it for the points that I want to hit on here in segment one. So coming up, we'll hear from first Mike D'Antoni, uh, and then we'll also hear from PJ Tucker, who had some you know comments about Dennis Schroeder, and we'll get there in just one moment. And we're back here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Do me a favor and hit that subscribe button. If you appreciate what we do here, if you appreciate the news, the speculation, the analysis, do me a favor, hit the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast to get the show as soon as it is out. Um, Really quick, one more point that I actually do want to hit on, and I completely glazed over this in the recap pod, but the fouling. And look, I know... I know that OKC has gotten a a more favorable whistle in this series since Game 3, but that being said, there are a number of fouls being committed throughout the course of these games that the Rockets, and they're just silly fouls. You know, you see P.J. Tucker, Game 5, was super frustrated, had to take an early seat with two early fouls, and... Many of them are just, you know, these ticky-tack fouls that really, you know, are not worth committing. They're just, they're these little, like, simple touch fouls, like, out on the perimeter and stuff. And it's limiting those, especially with some of the Rockets' front court players. I, I feel like, just at times, the Rockets' players don't really realize their val. I don't, I, maybe this is the wrong way to put it, but, like, Look, you got Jeff Green, right? Jeff Green can go in there and dump in all six of his fouls, right? Like, Jeff Green, if if Jeff Green fouls out, it's not the end of the world. But if if Covington gets into foul trouble, if Tucker's in foul trouble, if the guys that you rely on to anchor this Rockets defense, which is the number one rated defense through five games in the NBA playoffs, uh, you know, number one in defensive rating, if the Rockets expect those guys to be in there and playing aggressive basketball to be able to anchor this defense, they need to play a little bit smarter because you can't play as aggressive when you're in foul trouble. That's just, we've heard James Harden talk about it, but and he, you know, he also has to worry about picking up offensive fouls as well when he's in foul trouble. But for Rocco, for Tucker, for Daniel House Jr., for any of those guys, for basically the Rockets' front court players, if they get into foul trouble, then suddenly we see them unable to be as aggressive defensively, and it just becomes a, a whole can of worms. Not only that, but also the free throw discrepancy that we've seen. Yes, again, OKC is getting a favorable whistle and getting some, you know, kind of ridiculous touch fouls here and there, but the Rockets aren't doing themselves any favors when they commit the fouls that are actually fouls that they shouldn't be committing. So I'd like to see a little bit more discipline there in that department, especially, you know, moving into the next series, uh, you know, after this one hopefully closes out in game six, you know, thinking ahead to the LA Lakers, that's a team that's going to make you pay for getting in foul trouble. They've got so many different bigs that they're going to be throwing at the Rockets that if they're not disciplined, if they're, if they're slapping at the ball, you know, committing these silly fouls, they're going to run out of bodies to throw at the Lakers. They just don't have the necessary front court depth to be able to afford one of PJ Tucker or Robert Covington to get into foul trouble because those guys pretty much need to be in there as your closing lineup. I know we've seen Jeff Green as a closer pretty frequently in this Thunder series, but I think that was in large part due to the fact that Russell Westbrook was missing for the first four games. I think that moving forward, we'll see Russ, you know, obviously in the closing lineups alongside the the rest of the regular Rockets starters. So that being said, let's dive in. Let's listen to Mike D'Antoni's media availability audio, and then we'll also get P.J. Tucker's media availability audio in the final segment. 
Hey, Coach, um, you always talk about, you know, the need for improvement, and the Rockets have actually been the number one defensive team in the playoffs, and they were top two during the restart. Uh, sorry, could you repeat that? I didn't hear that. I said, I said you always talk about you know, to want to improve things, and even though the Rockets are the number one team defensively in the playoffs so far. Oh, I hope that's what you said. I wasn't for sure. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what does that say about the job of guys like Coach Turner and, and the staff of the work? No, everybody. It, uh, it starts with, uh, you know, obviously it's, the players are locked in. Uh, the staff is doing a great job and just the attention to detail. But, uh, you know, hey, players are the one that drives this forward and they're doing a great job of understanding what we'd like to see and uh, trying to get it better. Mark Berman. Hello, Mike. How are you? I'm Mark. Have you, uh, have you had, do you have any further thoughts on what happened in that that sequence with PJ and Schroeder, and, and have you had any conversations with the league or heard from them about that? No, I just wish they'd go ahead. And, since we got practice in a few minutes, it'd be nice to, you know, one way or the other, just to let us know what's happening for tomorrow. Um, I guess they're busy in the bubble. I don't know. But uh, uh, I don't have any thoughts. I mean, yeah, everybody saw it, and then they, they'll make a decision. Jonathan Fagan. But given everything, a lot of it unprecedented that. Uh, preceded yesterday's game, did you have a real good feel of, of what would happen or how you guys would play? Well, I thought with, uh, with Russell returning, it gave us a jolt of energy, and just Russell himself gives us a jolt of energy. So, yeah, and then uh, and having a couple of days off, it was kind of dragging there every other day for a long time, and no days off. Uh, uh, I thought it would help both teams. Uh, it probably helped us more than them, it looks like. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I thought, I thought we could come out with a lot of energy. So how much of yesterday is the standard that you now expect and how much of it is, hey, that's one of those games that went real well? No, we expect it. I mean, the guys are locked in. There's still a lot of room that we can cut out mistakes. We're still making mistakes. But overall, they did. we did a great job of just, you know, letting the mistake one time and then moving on and not making it again. And – and them talking about it, talking among themselves. It was, uh, the spirit's good, and uh, there's definitely a will to get it better. Adam Spolin. And, Mike, when you're in a playoff series against a team that has a guy who's great on one end but really but struggles a bit on the other end, is it a goal to force that team into a decision of whether or not they can play that guy? Well, you know um, – I mean, you just try to look and see what weak points are and take advantage of them, what their strengths are, and try to uh, try to eliminate as much you can. I, there's no – I mean, it's, it's really kind of simple. It's like what do they not do well, where they do well, and try to defend against that. And, you know, if we've got to take – we got to give them something, let's give them, you know, what they don't do well. That's kind of the mindset. Adam Wexler. Hey, Coach. I know you guys haven't practiced yet. Uh, I'm wondering if you have talked to the medical staff or Russell about how he's feeling today. And secondly, uh, so much focus on what he brings to the team offensively. How do you think he integrated himself on the defensive end with everybody in yesterday's game? Um, first of all, I talked to him. He said he feels fine, so I'm, I'm hoping that's true. Never know. Um, now I don't expect any hiccups for tomorrow. Today's practice will be exceedingly light, so – should just, you know, should feel better, even better tomorrow. I thought he did great. I thought the whole team was uh, locked in. And, uh, you know, again, that's uh, that's a lot of energy you're putting out there. And, you know, and obviously he can play both ends. And, 
He could. I mean, it's um, he'll play better. Um, he didn't have a great game, but just him being here really helps bolster our spirits. Brian Bearfield. Coach, was there, was there a concerted effort to uh, that you all made on last night to get to the basket? Was that something that you all talked about during the off day, was being able to attack the basket again? Yeah, we um, yeah, we always talk about it and talk about it, and they know the three shots we won. Now, you know, I leave it up to a little bit. they got to make that decision. I can't tell them, tell them afterwards, you know, hey, don't, you know, we try not to take any four shots or we try not to even – force a layup if it's there you take it if it's not there you kick it out and if uh, three's open you hit it if not you drive it i mean it's pretty simple we can't predict how a guy's going to guard you or how you feel or how you catch the ball and so we leave it up to our players to make great decisions and they did that last night for sure that's going to do it for Mike D'Antoni's media availability. Now, coming up, we will hear P.J. Tucker and some of his thoughts and feelings about the Dennis Schroeder situation. But first, let me drop in a quick word from our friends over at Built Bar. Let's face it. Sometimes protein bars are, you know, a bit of a hit or miss situation. And here's the thing about Built Bar is ever since I started trying Built Bar, I, it's only been a hit for me. You know, every single flavor that I've tried, my personal favorite, the double chocolate mousse, cannot go wrong with it. But every flavor that I've tried has knocked it out of the park. I know this is a basketball podcast, but I'm throwing some baseball analogies at you. Just, I mean, the flavors that they have, cookies and cream, carrot cake, German chocolate. I mentioned double chocolate mousse already, my personal favorite. You just can't go wrong with them. They're, they're covered, these bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft, they're easy to chew, they're not gritty, they're not chalky like other protein bars. They're great for the health-conscious person, whether you're trying to lose weight or even just maintain weight, maybe just trying to hit your protein goals for the day. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, great, and I mean great, for a keto diet. You can go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and actually get $10 off your very next order. So be sure to check out Built Bar, try these bars, give them a chance, you you will not regret it. Go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on for $10 off. And final segment here at Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Do me a favor, follow me on Twitter at JT Gatlin, the show at Locked On Rockets to stay up to date with the show with any updates, news, announcements, all that good stuff. So follow at JT Gatlin at Locked On Rockets on Twitter if you're on Twitter. Now, before we jump into the PJ Tucker audio, just yeah, so he, you know, he kind of just he shares some insights, some thoughts about you know the the Dennis Schroeder situation as well as talking about the Rockets defense. So we'll dive right into that. Uh, PJ, you were talking, I think it was Tuesday, which seems like a long time ago now, but you were talking about needing to correct things defensively, eliminate mistakes. How close was last night to what you had in mind? Uh, it was pretty close. We played pretty good on defense. So we had a little lapse in the second quarter, made a run, took the lead. Uh, but uh, it was all fixable stuff. Um, you know, we get on runs sometimes. That, that's when we're most vulnerable. Uh, we can send a let down and, uh, you know, start to focus on the offense more than the defense. But when we lock in on defense, uh, like we did in the third quarter, our offense takes care of itself. So yeah, that's pretty close. Well, you, know, you lead the NBA in defensive rating in the postseason. Is this as good as it gets? And is this good enough? Well, it's not good enough, and it's not as good as it gets. Um, we still went through film today, and we had a lot of mistakes. Um, you know, we, weren't, we weren't totally happy. Um, 
uh, with our performance. Uh, we played pretty good. We won pretty handily, but uh, it, still, we still felt like we didn't play well. Uh, still a ton of mistakes and things we got to show up, uh, you know, to, to be able to finish the season, uh, the series out. They're going to come back, uh, you know, even harder like they did in game two and three uh, and four. So uh, I think really, um, honestly, we, we got to keep getting better, even with the best defensive rating in postseason. We, we got to get a lot better. Thank you. Kelly Eco. Hey, PJ. Um, you've always been someone who said the importance of communication and talking accountability. How did you see that in game five, specifically for help defense and helping on drives and everything? Uh, it, it was good. It was good. We showed bodies, everybody. We got out to the three-point line. Uh, we didn't give up so many drives, and then we did give up drives. We had low, we had low guys there. We had guys helping, uh, and we had the guys to that helping. And, that, and that's the big key when you got a team like Oklahoma City that has a bunch of guards that are good playmakers and good finishers and good shooters. Uh, you know, you got to be able to be in rotation to be able to get the guys on the catch, and I think we did a really good job of that. Adam Spolin. Uh, PJ, Dennis Schroeder said that what happened yesterday was not intentional. Are you buying that, and has he reached out to you? No, I know. Mark Berman. PJ, have you spoken to the league about what happened last night? Have you heard any kind of anything back from them? And and um, in 24 hours later or whatever it is, how have you felt about what happened in that incident yesterday? Uh, I haven't heard back from the league yet. Still waiting. And, um, you know, it's playoffs, man. Moses running high. Um, that was a fighting hard, trying to win. Um, sometimes some stuff happens and, you know, reactions happen. But, you know, it's basketball. It's part of it. Keep playing, get ready for the next game, and keep fighting, try to win. Period. Kaylee Griffin. PJ, the lineups for this team have changed quite a bit throughout the season. And, of course, down Orlando with the injuries, Russ coming back last night changed a little bit again. Does it take a few possessions for this team to get reacquainted with some of those new lineups and the rotations that need to happen on both ends of the floor? No. Russ coming in doesn't change a little bit. It changes everything. Uh, his presence on the floor, period, changes the whole landscape of our team and our game. Um, and it, was, it showed that from, from jump ball, um, you gotta you you gotta have a couple people on Russ. Um, you know he's such a big strong guard. Who, you know getting downhill, he's so fast. Guys have to load up to him, and our shooters get uh, you know more open shots. You know now you had a, a different person that Perry shouldn't be on Eric, or shouldn't be on James guarding him, uh, and it makes it easier for everybody on our team, top to bottom. Um, I knew he would come in full speed, but, uh, you know, just you, you kind of forget that he's gone for a while, just how much people have to, you know, respect him and be there to help other guys on him because guarding him one-on-one is almost impossible. So um, happy he's back, uh, happy the team, everybody else just kind of get the feel back, their spots around and, and coach gets to figure it out. Um, you know, our lineup's always short. Coach doesn't play more than about seven, eight guys a game. So um, it's always tough. Um uh, especially we have somebody like Russ being injured uh, and coming back. So it's something that we we'll have to figure out going, going forward. Nathan Bristol. Hi, PJ. Uh, Schroeder has been disciplined for a similar play like this in the past. Um, was that on your scouting report? Were you guys expecting him to do things like that? And second, should the league consider that when it does a review of this play? You think we should talk about somebody who said somebody – and growing before a game, <laughs> like, nah, that, that's not something to come up on the scout report. Um, that's not something on your mind while you're playing. You don't expect somebody to hit you on a groin. Uh, you just play. Like, I don't I don't know. And as far as the league's concerned, um, the league's going to do what the league's going to do. You never know 
uh, how they feel, what they're going to like. You never know with them. So you just never know. I just don't know how else to answer that. You just got to sit back and wait. I think a lot of the decisions are, you know, come out of nowhere. People don't know what's going to happen. So just got to wait. We're going to take two more. Brian Bearfield. PJ, how tough were you all to beat when you forced 17 turnovers and get 12 steals? And when you also limit them to 15.6% from the three-point range? Um, uh, that's pretty much the game. Uh, I think the biggest stat is us only having, I think, eight turnovers. If we get under 10 turnovers, and I know I, I know we win a lot more games than we lose. I know we uh, – single-digit turnovers – compared to double-digit turnovers for us is the game. Um, and that's a big part of us. Uh, you know, like I said, getting rest back helps with that. Uh, another bar and somebody else is attacking, but uh, at the same time, somebody that's making really good decisions a lot of time. Um, and, and to have them out there makes that easier for the whole team. And But I mean, obviously all the stats matter, but I think that that's our biggest stat of winning and losing. Simon Ali. Hey, PJ, uh, you guys were top two in pace all year. In the playoffs, you're ninth in pace. How much does getting Russ back help you get back to that level? It's all I've been talking about. <laughs> this whole interview, man, that's Russ coming back is, uh, I'm, I'm, I guarantee that goes up. <laughs> He's back. I guarantee that goes up to being either one, two, three, like somewhere right there. Um, he is pace. That's like. It's pitch in a dictionary. He's pace. He's going. He's going to push. You know, push the defense to get back. You're going to make them respect and honor the drives and attacking the rim at all times and having people show their bodies. Like I said, because he's almost impossible to guard one on one, full court, half court, wherever you, wherever it doesn't matter. So, um, yeah, it's good to have. It's good to have zero back. And that does it for PJ Tucker. So you know, obviously, just not. Not super pleased with the whole situation regarding Dennis Schroeder and, and kind of talking about that a little bit. And hey, I'm right there with him. You know, if I had gotten hit below the deck like that, I would not be one for uh, you know any kind of. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be in a in a super great mood about it either. But uh, look at looking forward. They just need to go out there. You know, PJ Tucker. I expect him to be a professional. Go out there, take care of business in Game Six. And it sounds like the Rockets, you know, are are aware of what they need to do. Uh, that they the, the fact that they still think that they have some improvements to make defensively is great. You know, the the fact that they've been the best defensive team in the bubble so far and they still think that the ceiling, you know, can be raised, that they have room to improve is great to hear. So I think that's going to be where we wrap things up for today. So as always, thank you so much for listening and we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.